Welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Throughout our Jesus in the Old Testament series, we've embraced the Old Testament as literally true, from the beginning through the establishment of the Kingdom of Israel in the Promised Land. Following our golden rule of interpreting Bible prophecy, we take God at His Word, meaning that when the plain sense makes sense, we don't look for any other sense, lest we end up with nonsense. Now that approach treats the Bible as true history and allows God's Word to inform our lives even today. In our last couple of episodes, we offered a broad overview of the history of the Jewish people as the United Kingdom that expanded and was blessed under David and Solomon divided into two separate kingdoms. First and Second Chronicles offers a retelling of that historic narrative with a slightly different perspective. Whereas First and Second Kings stressed the reason Israel fell and was sent into exile, Chronicles focuses much more on David and Solomon and on the nation of Judah. Those kings and that kingdom represented the line that would culminate in the Messiah. So, while Chronicles still explains why Israel disappointed the living God, it also offers hope for restoration. Once again, focusing on a period from 850 to 600 BC, First and Second Chronicles offers wisdom to nations and individuals who would aspire to receive God's blessing. Second Chronicles also offers glimpses of God's great mercy and grace that would be extended to all people, Jew first, but Gentile alike. Our guest today brings unique insight on God's great providence in pouring out blessing on the Jew first, but also on the Gentile. Many of you will recognize our guest today because he's been with us before. Olivier Melnick is an evangelist with Chosen People Ministries. And just as the Lord will raise up 144,000 evangelists during the tribulation, He is already raising up men like Olivier to share the good news of our soon returning King, Yeshua, our Lord Jesus Christ. Olivier, we're so glad you could be here with hey, us today. Happy to be here. I'm going to shake your hand too. Yes, we're going to make you jealous. <laughs> well, tell our viewers, Olivier, how you came to know Yeshua, Jesus, as your Messiah. Uh, it was a long time ago, about 40, uh, 40 years ago, uh, I actually met my wife uh, in, uh, in uh, California. Then I, I went back to France. I was on a trip. And then uh, she came to France. And at some point after her arrival, I wanted to, uh, I was in love with her. I said, I want to marry you. And my wife is an American Gentile. He was a French Jew, and she said, well, we don't believe the same, and I don't want to ever be separated from you, so uh, you'd have to believe like I do. And I said, like, well, can we just agree to disagree? She disagreed to that. <laughs> and uh, she gave me all kinds of different cassettes to listen to and, and, and the booklets and things. And then one day she gave me this book, The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. Yes. Uh, I know so many people who have come to the Lord uh -huh, through that book. Uh -huh. And uh, and then uh, because the, she showed me all the messianic prophecies in the Bible, and I was not too impressed with the Bible. It was like a history book. Was it written before, after the fact? Was it all true? It was like so confusing to me. I'd never opened one before. Uh, and the book impressed me. This is this man saying, this is what's going to happen, happen. This is what's going to happen, happen. And then he talked about the second coming, and he said, 
something that to this day said if it all happened literally in the first coming, why are we to believe it's not going to be literal in the second coming? And I'm going like, if this is going to happen, it makes sense. And I read about the rapture, freaked out. I'm going like, oh, looks like I'm going to be left behind and she's going to go. So I remember that day asking her, is there any way you can stay? <laughs> and, she, and she said, no, I can't stay, but you can go with us. Is all you can put any like lead shoes. She said, no. And so she had already shared the, 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 the simple message of the gospel of the death and resurrection of Yeshua for my sins. And it was a free gift. I couldn't do anything but just to accept it. And that was it. And uh, that's what I did. And uh, I'd, had I known uh, that uh, that was in 1983, so that's what, 39 years ago? And had I known that, you know, because I remember telling her, I'll do it, but I don't want to be a Jesus freak, okay? I just want to <laughs> believe and be left alone. And here I am traveling all over and telling people about Jesus, and, and, and that's all I want to do. So it's a good thing we don't know ahead of time where God is going to take Isn't us. Isn't that right? the truth? Yeah. Yes, sir. And you probably got Jesus freak blaring on your car radio wherever you go. Right? Probably, <laughs> yes. Something like that, yes. <laughs> well, let's talk about some people who weren't Jesus freaks as we're going through Second Chronicles. Remember, if we go back, that Abraham and God had a covenant. The Jewish people were supposed to be a, a covenant people, a, a, almost like a wife. But then we get into Second Chronicles, and it's a series of rebellions, a cycle of rebellion over and over again. How did the Jewish people stray so far from God? Uh, well, you know, I think it's a... Um, uh, it's, it, more than even just a Jewish people uh, uh, syndrome, so to speak, I think it's, it's a human nature uh, uh, thing where we like to take matters in our own hands. I mean, God has really, uh, from the very beginning of, of you know, from uh, chapter 12 of Genesis, he, he started to develop this relationship with the Jewish people. And it says in Scripture, not because we're better, not because there's more of us, just because that's His prerogative. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pick you and I'm going to make it a people after my name. And... Uh, uh, and then the Jewish people, you know, you, you, you look at how even uh, the Jewish people responded to, uh, to Moses when he brought the law. So are we going to do exactly what, what God wants us to do? And then, and then as soon as it got complicated, we said, like, well, maybe we can do it differently. And then so uh, how did Jewish people uh, stray from, from, from God is, is because we are, uh, you know, we, we trust God when it's easy. And uh, I, I'm not, I don't say we, the Jewish people. I want to. I don't want to stigmatize. Right. We're just you know, focusing you, on you, second chronicles, right? But yeah, human but really, nature in general. Mm -hmm. We trust where it's easy, and where it's hard, we uh, we well, maybe I should do something. You know. Well, the the ancient hymn that that I love says, "Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it." We don't just have to talk about the Jewish people. It is a human condition, and right. we're all prone to wander away from Him. And yet, the Jewish people demonstrate that, in spite of of their straying. God's promises are always trustworthy and true. And so he has clearly not cast aside the Jewish people from being chosen and being a, a covenant of blessing, a conduit of blessing, even to the rest of the world. Although too many Christians have believed into the satanic lie that God has cast aside the Jewish people. Well, the, 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 you know, in, in all the covenants that God made with, with, with mankind in general, Five of them out of the eight are made with Israel, with the Jewish people. And out of those five, outside, except for the Mosaic Covenant, the other fives are unconditional, eternal. It's not God saying, if you will, then I will. It's God saying, I will. Hmm. Because of my character, because of who I am, I will. So 
if, if, if anybody comes and says, well, you know what, God has done with Israel, God has done with the Jews because they disobeyed, they walked away, they did their own thing, you know, the golden calf and uh, whatever you want to, uh, it's plenty of, of sins of Israel in the Bible. If you say what well, God, God is now taking all of His promises and, and transferring them into another group, being the church, uh, you make God into a covenant breaker and you make Him into a liar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because He promised He would never do that. So no, God has not done with the Jewish people, even though uh, more than enough, we've told God, we're done with you. Yes, and it seems the, like... And I'm talking about the Jews now. <laughs> and, and too many other people as well. And God yet loves those who have not loved Him. That's, that's demonstrated in the very gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. And it seems like as we get through Second Chronicles, there's that cycle of mostly good king, uh, bad kings, excuse me, a few good kings like Hezekiah and all. But it seemed like the Lord constantly was trying to get the people to come back. So even he put his wrath down, the purpose always seemed to be to bring them back into a covenant relationship to them. Is there a lesson we can learn from that? Uh, yes, that, uh, that God is a very patient God. Yes. Mm. And, uh, but, uh, but He doesn't tolerate evil. He doesn't tolerate evil. No. He, uh, he's a very patient God. But if you fast forward to today, uh, he's a very patient God, and He's always, uh, we're, you know, we're always one step away from being back in fellowship with God if we repent and return to Him. But that is for people who have originally put their trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh -huh. I mean, anybody who's not trusting Jesus, Yeshua, for their, for, you know, for their sins, and, and, and they're not part of that family. So, yes, God is patient, and God is loving, and God is compassionate, but yeah, it, that's only for His family. Right. Is there any promises made in the Old Testament, specific verses that would talk not just about individual salvation, but covenant salvation, say 2 Chronicles 7.14? Well, that's, uh, that's an interesting verse. Do you want to uh, read it so that people know which one it is? Or are you going to have it sure. on the screen? Well, or? we will. And if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. A covenant made initially with Israel, not right. with other peoples of today. I was going to say, this is a promise uh, to America, not. Not, yeah. Uh, oh, you hear many Americans say that. This is, uh, okay, here it is. The, 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 the big, when I look at this verse, this is a promise made to the Jewish people, to Israel, um, in the context, historically, but the, 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 the principle. The principle, and that's what I tell people all the time. The principle is, you know, blessing for obedience. If you, if, if you obey God, you'll be blessed. Uh, it, the, the blessing will come in different forms, but you will be blessed if you obey God. It's this guaranteed. But too many people have taken that verse and said, well, this is, you know, if America would, would listen to God, the, the land would be healed. This is not about America. Now, it could happen in America, but this is not about America. Well, and I've had people actually complain, you know, I did that. I prayed, and I have done this, and God's supposed to, He has to bless America because I personally have, and I say, well, well just a minute. You, you, by principle, need to be praying. You need to be repentant, but, but this is not a formula. God's blessing pours out on those people collectively, those nations that obey Him. And, of course, we can go to Chapter 17, verse 19, just a few verses later, when God says, But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot you. In other words, that there is a conditional portion of His blessing even for the Jewish people. And of course, that verse was tragically fulfilled in the history of the nation of Israel and Judah. We've spoken of God's faithfulness to His promises, which is why Israel has been restored even today as a nation in the modern sense. 
But how does this verse, verse 19 and on into 20, apply to us in America or anywhere else that has once recognized the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then turns away? Well, you know, when you read this verse, what the first thing that comes to my mind is that when, when Christians want to grab hold of the blessings promised to Israel, they usually say like, well, this is not turned on to us, this is all for us, but any of the curses yeah. can stay with the Jews. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they get and those. So yeah. the discipline of, of the Jewish people, it's still for the Jews, but the blessings, it's for us now. It's you know part of the replacement theology uh, 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 false doctrine. And uh, so I don't know if that answered your question or not, but I, it, it, it made me think of that when I read the, uh, the discipline and it's just, you know, very, uh, uh, Hypocritical in a sense. Yeah, you know. certainly is. Well, I'm, I'm comforted by Second Chronicles 16:9 says, "For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him." So not just nationally, but individually as well. And it seems like for God, it's never too late. We get these terrible kings like Manasseh, 50 years of terrible uh, rebellion against God. Then you get to Second Chronicles 23 and describes how he humbled himself greatly for the God of his fathers. Yeah, 33, and, actually. Oh, excuse me. Yes, yeah. Second Chronicles 33. And he was moved by his prayer, and Manasseh came to acknowledge the Lord as God. Is that a template for all rulers today? Uh, well, I mean, look at, look at King David. I mean, it was not too late for him. I mean, King David also, uh, you know, a man after God's own heart, and, you know, he, he was an adulterer and a murderer, so uh, it's never too late to come back to God, I uh -huh. think. It's and and you've had a personal testimony of that with your own family, I think, haven't you, Olivier? You talked about praying for oh, yeah. your own parents for well, a period uh, of years. No, a couple of years, 28 to be exact. Yeah, 28. Yeah. Months uh, and days. Yes. And uh, absolutely, it's never, it's, it, God's timing is perfect. And, um, uh, and I, you know, this, this ought to be an encouragement to people who are still praying for their family members, and there's plenty of us playing praying for parents, siblings, children, cousins. Uh, and, you know, I prayed for my parents for 28 years, and I was blessed uh, to be able to lead both of them mm. to the Lord on the Praise same day, wow. 10 years ago. Okay. Both Lord. Jewish parents, mother uh, you know, and father, uh, who escaped the Holocaust and, and, and survived the war, and uh, here they are, you know, now, uh, they're both gone now with the Lord. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's never too late. Uh, it's never too late to come to the Lord, but it's too late after you die. Mm -hmm. People need to understand mm -hmm. that. It's never too late to come to the Lord and, and accept what, uh, uh, what He has done, what, what Yeshua has done on our behalf on the cross. But once we die, it's done. And so people need to think about it today. And really, that is your message even at Chosen people ministries that the the gospel message the the promise of of restoration with its relationship with God is to the Jew first but also to the Gentile and so our for our viewers today who want to bless the Jewish people and obviously every follower of Jesus Christ should want to bless the Jewish people how can they do that how can they pour blessing into the Jewish people collectively and even individually uh the, one of the biggest challenge I find, and, and I've been with in, in, in Jewish ministry for uh, over three decades now, one of the biggest challenge is that a lot of Christians still uh, pray for Jewish people, pray for Israel, but they have a biblical mindset. Let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, they, they, they think of Jewish people in terms of the Bible Jews. 
They don't look at modern Jews going like we, you know, like it, it, they wouldn't know what to do if they met a Jewish person on the street and, 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 and tell them, oh, you need Jesus. They say like, well, I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I pray for the Jewish people without really, you know, thinking about it. But they don't realize that, that there are many, there are several millions of uh, Jewish people that actually need the gospel, need Jesus, and they don't know how to approach them. So, uh, um, and, and too often, uh, Christians are desensitized to, 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 to how pro uh, to, to properly share the gospel with Jewish people. Uh, we've talked about this before on your show, uh, anti-Semitism, a lot of it comes came and continues to come from the church. Misunderstanding, misapplying mis -app -app of scripture, and next thing you know, you have a, a lot of killing of a lot of Jewish people unnecessarily. And um, so we have, uh, Christian needs to be very, uh, uh, more intentional about, uh, about blessing the Jews by realizing that modern Jews, modern Jewish people need the gospel today. It's not just about praying for the peace of Jerusalem from, you know, from Psalm 120 verse yeah. six. Uh, it's, it's about, you know, being intentional about going out and, and either reaching out to their Jewish friends and family or supporting a mission that does, but making an effort to do that. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's uh, something that uh, Christians, I, I want to challenge uh, Christians to do that. The other thing is, uh, we haven't touched on that at all, but, and I don't know if this is for this show for another time, but I really believe that we are uh, moving forward very quickly towards a time where uh, it's going to be extremely dangerous to be Jewish, mm. and 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 you're going to have to uh, rely on people you can trust. And right now, I think Bible-believing uh, followers of of Yeshua, Christians who really uh, understand the Bible and love Israel, love the Jewish people, uh, are going to. Uh, they have a chance to really be there for their Jewish friends. Well, and, our you know, community was pretty shaken up when the Colleyville incident happened, and. Uh, a terrorist came in and held a synagogue hostage. I was there. Yeah. Do you believe that all this anti-Semitism was growing in Iran and even in now increasing in the West on college campuses? That God's using it to do something to achieve something with the Jewish people? <sighs> that that's turning a, something for evil. That is it good. That is a tough question. Uh, I tell you what, because I I don't want to. I'm struggling with that. I, okay. You know, I, I'm struggling with that because I don't like to put God in that box. Of, of, uh, but, but like we've we've talked about this before, the one prophecy that I think you can really take to the bank is right now. It, you know, is in our lifetime is the return of the Jews in unbelief. You know, like uh -huh. a, like the, la the later chapters of of uh, of uh, um, um, uh, Ezekiel, uh, when you know the Jews will come back in unbelief, and then you know the dry bones, and so we know that this has happened now for for uh, a few decades, and parallel to that, we've got to increase in anti-Semitism. So is God, God is not creating anti-Semitism. No, no. Anti-Semitism comes, it comes from Satan. Certainly. Because he knows that the day that the Jewish people corporately call on him and say, Baruch haba b'ashem Adonai, blessed is you, come in the name of the Lord, which is something that uh, Yeshua said in Matthew 23, he'll come back. Jesus, Jesus is not coming back until Israel calls him. Mm -hmm. But if Israel doesn't exist, huh. it, they can't call him and then Satan's career is you know, go on forever and you can continue to do what it wants to do. So, 
So we know that this is going to happen. And I have no idea why I was saying that because I forgot what I was saying before. So well, bring me back. Obviously, our purpose in this series is to highlight uh, the presence of Jesus, the Messiah, throughout the Old Testament. He is our Savior and Lord, but He's really throughout Scripture, not just in the New Testament. Right. And so, where do you see evidence of Him in Second Chronicles? We know this book is written by Ezra to give the Jewish people returning an understanding of their heritage and how God's faithfulness to preserve and protect them, even through the exile, was manifest. So, where is evidence of Jesus in Second Chronicles? We, we see not just in, in, in Chronicles, throughout the whole, uh, the whole Bible, the preservation of the Jewish people. We should not exist, okay? We should not exist. Uh, uh, the, the scripture that I go to that's not in Chronicles, but I like is in, uh, you know, in uh, Jeremiah 31, 35 through 37, that God will never, ever uh, destroy Israel. You know, if you, if you can count the stars, destroy the sun and the moon, then I will forsake Israel. <laughs> for all that they have done to me. Uh, and funny, in, in that verse, the last part of the verse, for all that they have done to me. So God is again saying, they've disobeyed, but I promise I would never change my mind. Even there, He says, you know, I will not do it, even though for all that they have done to me, you know, all the disobedience. So uh, I see throughout, you know, I, I see throughout the whole Tanakh, the, 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 the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, uh, God's faithfulness in, in disciplining the Jewish people, but always looking at bringing them back to Him for the purpose of, you know, like we see in the, uh, at the end of the tribulation, the, 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 the surviving uh, uh, Jewish people will all corporately uh, ask Him to, uh, you know, say, we, we missed you the first time, you're the Messiah, we want you to come back. Mm. So uh, That's amazing. Uh, you serve with Jer Chosen People Ministries. Can you tell us briefly a little about it and how they can get in touch with you? Uh, yes, I've, uh, I've been with the, uh, with the organization for 24 years now. I serve as the Southwest Regional Director. Recently moved to uh, the uh, uh, Dallas area. We're loving it here. And uh, so I serve in, uh, in, in that capacity. Uh, and it's chosenpeople.com. They can get a hold of our, uh, you know, a lot of material there. Um, also, I have a website when I put a lot of information on newantisemitism.com mm. and uh, a lot of videos on my YouTube channel, Olivia Melnick, Today Through Jewish Eyes. So that should cover everything. Excellent. If you want to get, if you want to find us, yeah. Well, Olivia, I am so glad that we are co-laboring for the Messiah right here close at hand, near uh, as you have moved to the Dallas area, meaning that you could easily join us today and that you can come back. And we want <laughs> you to come back. Love and I'm that. certainly glad that the Lord God has raised you up and strongly supported your ministry to be one whose heart is completely His, as is your own. Thank you. It's a delight being with you, and uh, your ministry is, uh, I've known about your ministry for a long time, and I've followed it, and uh, uh, you, you're doing great things for the kingdom, and it, it just warms my heart. And you love Israel and the Jewish people, so it doesn't get any better than that. It certainly does. In 1955, James Dean starred in Rebel Without a Cause, a movie focused on the angst of American youth. That film seemed to capture the drift toward moral ambivalence that swept the world in the 1960s and 70s. Following the fecklessness of Western leadership exemplified by Jimmy Carter, strong leadership emerged on both sides of the Atlantic, with principled leaders like Ronald Reagan in America, Margaret Thatcher in Great Britain, and Brian Mulroney in Canada. Since that time, we've come a long way, and not in the right direction. Evidence of moral rot is all about us, but sometimes it is jolting to see how dramatic the stakes are as we look inside while standing outside. 
For several years, Canada has been led by an immature, self-absorbed narcissist, Justin Trudeau. Following in his own father's socialist footsteps as prime minister, he has upended long-cherished freedoms in our neighbor to the north. Under Trudeau, Canada's parliament has already outlawed speech that contradicts the sexual revolution, including preaching that reflects a biblical worldview. One pastor has already been arrested and jailed simply for speaking in his own church. And for the past several weeks, Canadians tired of draconian government lockdowns have staged peaceful protests. Truckers have gotten most of the attention, but many people are rebelling against Trudeau's heavy-handed dictates. Like every authoritarian dictator drunk with power, he has run roughshod over his own people to crush their dissent. Canadian citizens don't have the same constitutional protections we have enshrined in our Bill of Rights, but they do have a law called the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, only passed in 1982, after Trudeau's father also took extreme measures following actual terrorist activity in Canada in 1970. Truckers waving flags and erecting bouncy houses today certainly do not constitute terrorism, although the younger Trudeau and a complacent media are intent on perpetuating that myth. The point is that our God-given rights, even as Americans, will only be honored as long as our elected leaders exercise self-restraint on their own tendency to expand their power, or as long as we, the people, refuse to acquiesce to their unreasonable demands. Paul appealed to Caesar because it was his right to do so. He did not tolerate the violation of his rights as a Roman citizen, even as he endured all for the sake of the gospel. There will come a time when persecution against Christians will multiply. We will once again be ostracized and beaten and martyred, as brothers and sisters in Christ are enduring in other parts of the world right now. But we cannot sit idly by while our cherished freedoms that have allowed us to shine the light of God's truth all around the world are snuffed out by socialist and cultural elitists attempting to dictate their godless worldview. We may be called once again to push back on despotic forces in our own country, but if we do so, we will be rebels with a cause, because we serve only the risen Christ. You know, Tim, I'm not sure if I've ever heard James Dean being woven into a lesson on Second Chronicles before. No, probably <laughs> not. But I would say that rebelling is ingrained, that very idea, in the American psyche. Uh -huh. We just have to be careful about what or who we're rebelling against. I mean, it's part of human nature to rebel. At least that has been our tendency since the fall. Children rebel against their parents and students against teachers and all of us against God. Only Jesus modeled perfect submission to the will of the Father. Satan was arguably the first rebel, and he has been trying to foment a rebellion ever since. He succeeded in the Garden of Eden, and I dare say that he has found willing and sometimes ignorantly oblivious co-conspirators in the human race. Olivier made it clear that Satan's effort to inspire anti-Semitism is an attempt to undermine God's promises and plan. Sadly, for the past 2,000 years, too many professing Christians have been accomplices in that evil agenda. But Scripture is very clear. God still has a plan for the Jewish people. His promise to them are still intact, and some of them have come true before our eyes just within the past century. If you want to understand God and how He's still at work in the nation of Israel, David Reagan's Israel and Bible Prophecy book is a must-have resource. Just call the number on the bottom of your screen, and for a gift of only $20, including shipping, we'll be delighted to send you a copy. We hope that you've been following along, reading each book as we've looked for Jesus in the Old Testament and picking out your own key verses. 
Hours for this week were 714, 719 and 20, and 169. That last verse says that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that He may support and strongly support those whose heart is completely His. Until He comes, may all of us who are called by His name in the language of 714 purpose not to rebel against Him, but to have hearts that are really completely His. This is Nathan Jones. And Tim Moore saying, Look up, be watchful, for the Lord, who hears our prayers and offers forgiveness and eternal healing, is drawing near. Christ in Prophecy is made possible through the faithful and generous support of viewers like you. Please consider making a donation to Lamb and Lion Ministries so that we can continue broadcasting the message of Jesus' soon return. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you.